All right, welcome back to another episode of Barley Love in the District. Tristan here, along with Jacob. Big week to get into, probably a big episode. Very big uh, so you want to go ahead and tell them what we're going to get into? Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about week six and seven of the NFL. We're going to talk about the games we played and the games we're going to play. Um, big news out of the Colts camp with Jim Ursay's comments. So we're going to start to mention that because that's going to have a league-wide effect. Going on into baseball, the NLCS and ALCS are underway, and um, at least the NLCS is looking like it's going to be a seven-game series, in my opinion. And then finally going into hockey, um, it's the start of the regular it, season. It's an opposite games. start, in my opinion, uh, for what we thought, at least. Uh, so yeah. going starting off here, first off, what a week to be a Philadelphia fan. Uh, I think, I think we'll start off just with the, uh, start off with the Washington game and then go into the Eagles just cause there's going to be a lot of, you know, e there's going to be a lot of Philly talk in this episode. So I want to give you, I want to give you the spotlight while you can have it right now. So the, the Washington beats the bears 12 to seven, in my opinion, another snooze fest. I was I was watching the Flyers game. I was watching the Flyers game. It was the first game of the season. And once that ended, I went to turn on Thursday Night Football, and I go, oh, it's 3 nothing with 10 minutes left in the third. Don't think I really need to watch that. I was having fun at some point still looking at social media, and everybody's talking about they're forcing us to watch this. We should get like a month free of Amazon Prime for having to watch yeah. this crap. I, I have a friend who uh, he's like, you know, I can't believe they're forcing me to pay nine bucks a month to watch, you know, the Denver play the Colts and Washington play the Bears. He goes, am I going to do it? Yes, because it's football. But should I have to? Absolutely not. No. This is absurd. No, 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 uh, no, 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 but, no, no. Uh, what an ugly game. Yeah, the ugly game was to say the least. The play was terrible. Carson Wentz played like crap, but so the offensive line wide receivers weren't really much better. The only two players you on the offense at least, well, one offensive guy you can say had a great game, a decent game, Brian Robinson, because he had 17 carries for 60 yards and a lot of those were really like, he grinded them out. So that was decent. He had his first touchdown which clinched us, but um, Which you guys our, wouldn't have got without that muffed punt. I mean, you guys yeah. struggled the entire game. Pressway had an insane game. That's weird for me to say from the punter, but six punts for over 300 yards. He was averaging 51 yards a punt, which is, if you were to do that over a whole year, that's leading the league by a long shot. Um, our defensive line, though, actually played amazing. Five Your defensive sacks. line won you the game like we said last week. Yeah, um, but I said this recently, um, however long ago, that if – they had a competent um, like pocket passer, then it could have caused us a lot of problems and possibly lost because there's a lot of guys open. Our defensive line played great, but our secondary and our linebackers simply cannot properly cover over a long stretch of a game or even a long stretch of a drive. So that's 
that's cause for a concern, but I think the play calling was awful. In terms of Scott Turner's offensive play calling, it's like watching paint dry. He doesn't adjust to the guys he has. Ryan Fitzpatrick said this. He literally said that he doesn't adjust. And it, I'm not sure why he's even a coach. I heard a quote that was um, somebody was asked, um, what like what are Scott Turner's like offensive credentials and is he a good offensive mind? Why is he here? And they said his dad was because his dad was a great coach, but I don't think he is. It just didn't transfer. Nope. No, 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 no. It's like um, Don Shula, but then his son was that great enough, uh, that great of an NFL coach. But going on to that, an ugly win, a really ugly win. Justin Fields played like crap in the pocket, but once he exited, he actually was giving us a lot of problems. Um, they were able to actually run on us, which is quite worrying, considering we're going to be playing two decent running backs this upcoming week. But that last play of the game, a one-yard line like juggle into a like defensive stop, it was a it was an ugly win that I was kind of mad at. Uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't really see much of the game. I know the take the takeaway that I did get was, like I said, the D-line had to win the game for you guys, and that's what they did. They made Justin Fields uncomfortable in the pocket, which is what you have to do. They didn't let him throw the ball as much as he probably would have liked to. He uh, he didn't he, he passed for 190 yards, but he got sacked five times, only 14 completions, so... He had a very average game, just looking at the box score. Now, the box score doesn't tell the whole story, but um, in my opinion, at a very average game, this was a very slow game to watch. But um, overall, big win for you guys. You guys rise to 2-4, and four, correct? Yeah, 2-4. 2-4 uh, for through 6. Oh, and Carson Wentz is out for like four to six yeah, weeks. Yeah, how, how do you how you how you feel about that? Boy, wonder Taylor Heineke coming back. I don't know because our like, <laughs> like gives more in terms of running, but his passing isn't as great, and that may be more suited to us. But I really don't know how to like explain how I feel about this because I really have no clue. I don't really know how he's going to do. Yeah. I think he could prove problems for his legs, but his arm isn't as good. Isn't he like 29, 30? Already? Yeah. He's an old man. Yeah, yeah 29 is an old man. Hey, maybe um, he has a breakout season. I mean, I hope. I really do, but I don't trust Scott Turner's play now, calling. Now, what happens if if this is a Cooper Rush situation, you know, he comes in, he starts winning games, Carson Wentz gets healthy, what happens? I'll wake up. I'll wake up from that dream. My, my dad I'll, my dad will pinch me? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll wake up to birds chirping outside. Uh, but realistically, like, if that were to happen, the like, I think Ron Rivera will act. I don't know what he'll do because he may try and save his job, but he has faith in Carson, so I don't know what that situation would look like. 
if Heineke starts playing bad and like, do we kind of throw how to the wolves this early? So I, I, I have no clue what this team's going to look like. I think we can still cause problems, especially if Jahan Dotson's able to return, which I think that's depending on this week, like today's or tomorrow's practice or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, I think our defensive line's great. The rest of our defense isn't. Yeah, our, yeah I don't know. Yet are lost I, for words. Yeah, uh, the coaching is baffling. It, it just surprised me because I think if, if Ron Rivera had an issue with the quarterback when Carson Wentz was passing for 300 yards a game, you bring in Taylor Heineke, I think this is just going to be a bigger issue. I'm I'm just really interested to see how Ron Rivera reacts in all that, in realist, being and realist. Like, with being real and Ron Rivera, I like the guy as a person. As a coach, I think the game has passed him by. Um, after the season, hopefully we get new ownership. But if that's happened, I would love for him to stick around the team. But he doesn't have any control over the roster. He's not involved with coaching, but he can. I think he can be a good like team rep. Like I like the guy. He great story. I would love for him to stick around in the team because I think he's kind of handled a lot of pressure and it's not exactly a enviable situation he's in right now, but I would like for him to stick around. Like, cause I know I've slandered him a lot and, but I do like him as a person. I just think like the coaching side has kind of passed him by and we've seen that. We've seen that with Chuck Noll. We've seen that with Tom Landry. It happens. Um, it's kind of an e- inevitable sometimes unless you're, Bill Belichick up to this point, but yeah. All right, is that all you have for the Washington game? Yeah, that's should, that's all I got for this piece. Should of we start game. part one of three of Great Weekend to be a Philly fan? Sure. <laughs> you're just you're just like, all right, I'm ready to be done. I, I'm I'm ready to end it. Let's stop it right here. I'm done for See the you guys week. later. It, yeah, you're like I'm done. It's it. No. All right, so. <laughs> Eagles win 26-17, uh, and it, so first off, just overview of the game, I got real scared in the second half. Uh, they played really well in the first half, and in the second half, I got really scared, but they did end up holding out. I think a big reason they did, for one, the offense dominated. Uh, in the first half, they ran the ball right down their throats, uh, well, moved the ball down their throats. I don't want to say ran the ball down their throats, but... They just dominated the offensive side of the ball in the first half and didn't really give the Cowboys' defense a chance to work through that. But, uh, and I think a big reason that they they were able to dominate in the first half was the way they dealt with Micah Parsons. So, uh, instead of trying to, instead of trying to, you know, like get away from him, they read him. So wherever he went, they went the opposite side of the field. And you could see him getting flustered throughout the game. So I think that was a big part of that uh, that side of the ball. They are one of – they have more points in the second quarter than uh, through six games than some teams do in all their points combined in through six games so far. Like, they are so high scoring in the second quarter. It is unbelievable. They scored 20 points in the second quarter this week. Week one, they scored 24. I want to say against Washington, they scored 17 or 20, something like that. They just 
put up numbers in the second quarter. Uh, so they just absolutely dominate the second quarter. Jalen Hurts didn't put the ball in danger. You know, Cowboys defense, one of the top defenses going into this week. Uh, and they dominated the pass in the first half. Like I said, red. Micah Parsons, like a book, kept the ball away from him, made him a non-factor. They did have some good rushes. They sacked Jalen Hurts four times. Uh, Lane Johnson did go out with an injury. I think that had a big, I think that had a decent part in the pass rush for the Cowboys because obviously it's easier to get through when your star right tackle isn't in. Uh, but they had four sacks. But other than that, I mean, they they did well in the first half. And then the second half, after they after they kind of caught their breath for a second and realized, hey, whoa, they're coming back, they dominated the game with the run. They finished the game off yeah. and ran the ball right down the Cowboys' throat and didn't give them anything. And I got to tell you, Miles Sanders, he isn't the biggest guy, but he got the gritty yards. You know, no pun intended with that whole Philly gritty thing but uh he got the those gritty yards he, he he wasn't hitting he wasn't hitting home runs but he was pounding the ball down the throat you know three four five yards at a time and was just wearing down that cowboys defense which like i said i think i said it on here last week for people who don't know football that much and you know you're looking at the game like why are you running right the ball right up the middle there that's where everyone is that's why you tire out that defense, and like when you're getting three, four yards of play, you're going to keep on getting first downs, and it's going to wear out that defense. It hurts. I mean, when you're running 13, 14, I think, I don't know if it was last week or this week, but they ran a 17-play drive to end off the game and just absolutely put the ball down their throat and didn't let them do anything. So they finished out the game strong with the run. Uh, like I said, Jack Driscoll comes in for Lane Johnson, and he held down the fort for the most part. Uh, and at the end of the game, you saw they were just aggravating the defense of the Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs got an unsportsmanlike for slamming his helmet against the ground. Uh, Micah Parsons, you could see, was getting a little flustered. Took a stupid taunting penalty in, I think, the third quarter. Uh, so, yeah, they, they definitely aggravated the defense, and took advantage of them uh, early yeah, in the game. It, it was a pretty decent game. The only thing I think you guys have well, – I think there's two things you need to be a little worried about. Um, your run defense, they were able to in the second and third quarter. They were yeah, able which to really do all well. I have I a uh, – going into the defense, let me I'll, – I'll do that, and then I'll let you add on there. So the defense played strongly for the most part. They, they have a really good defense. Uh, they had three picks, two from – C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and one with Slay. C.J. Gardner-Johnson getting that game-sealing pick for the most part at the end after going out with a hand injury. Uh, you know, going off, holding his holding his hand like knelt over. So he comes back and gets a big pick. Did you see his interview after the game? He's like, they're, uh, they're like, they asked him what happened with his hand. And he's like, you know, yeah, it hurt, but you got to come out. You got to battle. You play football stuff happens. You, you have to battle and win the game. And that's what he did. Came back, won the game for the team in the big part there. But on the, the plus side for the Cowboys, this was bad for the Eagles defense, but I mean, the Cowboys did a really good job in the second half because they started reading the line. And I think that was a big reason they were able to do what they did. When they had four down linemen, they ran Ezekiel Elliott up the middle and wore down the defensive line and made them work. 
And then when they had five down linemen, you know, when they were trying to go in to stop the rush, they did a really good job of getting Cooper Rush out of the pocket, running play action. I mean, when you set up the run the way they did in the second half, you can run anything you want for the most part. So they, they did a really good job of setting up play action in the second half to, uh, you know, confuse the Eagles defense. It almost looked like Mike McCarthy took over the play calling and, uh, you know, was like, it's like when you when you're a child and you're playing video games and you can't win and you ask your big brother to take the controller for you. So uh, I think that's what happened there in the second half. And they made a good effort to come back, but they ended up falling short and they shut down the Eagles defensive line. Eagles defensive line had zero sacks. Uh, didn't look like they were really. They did create some pressure on Cooper Rush. Uh, that's. I think that was a big piece of it. You know, uh, especially that third pick that he threw. I think there was someone in his face, and he just couldn't get his arm all the way down where he wanted to. I think that's why he threw that third pick. But uh, overall, they they played a pretty good game, and they need to figure out how to come out flying in the second half like they do in the first half. If they do that they will be the best team in the NFL. Uh, I I feel strongly that, you know, they are a Super Bowl contender. They're not a Super Bowl appearance. They're not, they're not at a Super Bowl appearance right now, if that makes sense. Like, I think they could screw around and maybe get in, but the Bills, I think the Bills are a Super Bowl, like, fa favor favorable. Like, they yeah, can, they can walk into the Super Bowl, no issue. Yeah, and I think, like... Uh, team like that will cause a lot of like problems for you guys because the Cowboys were able to do good without like a decent quarterback against you guys um they were able to run the ball and I just think with a um like a proper quarterback against you guys I think that could prove you problems I would like to see a little more of your passing game um because 150 yards 55 yards with two touchdowns is decent, but I still think he can bring that up a little more. Um, that's the only really, like, qualms I have with it, especially because he's going to have the proper time to throw the ball because you have, still have a great offensive line. But nothing really too worried to be about. I just think it's, like, somewhat minor adjustment, uh, adjustments you can make in the um, – you can make in a bye week or just in between games. Which so they're going to now. So. Yeah. Uh, they, I got to say, the Cowboys did a good job of shutting down the Eagles' offense for the most part. I mean, it, at the end when it mattered most, they took advantage. Uh, but the Eagles only had 268 total yards. Like I said, they had three picks. They were working a lot with short field. Uh, but they, the Cowboys' defense did a good job of shutting down the offense for the most part. Uh, Miles Sanders, he had a decent game with 71 yards and a touchdown. But like you said, they shut down the passing. Uh, they weren't really able to get that down. I think they did a good job shutting down the offense. It was just the Eagles took advantage of the chances they had. And another big reason, one of the big reasons why I think we are 6-0 is the turnover ratio. The, turnover, the Eagles have a plus 12 turnover ratio. The next closest team has a plus 4. They they don't put the... We have two offensive turnovers. Uh, and the this is the best that any team has been through six games since 2012. Uh, so, I mean, going off of that, another reason... This is just quick reasons why I think we're 6-0. Going off of that, 
is Jalen Hurts. He doesn't put the ball in dangerous situations. He's really good at protecting it. You know, when he runs it, he makes sure he doesn't fumble. And when he's passing, it's very rare that you see him throw into an area where there's a lot of defenders and that it could get picked off. So he does a really good job. And the one interception that he threw, he threw it off of he threw it to Kenny Gainwell and it bounced off his hands and went into a defender's yeah, Defenders so it's not, really so it's not even it should be a plus 13 now you obviously that counts against you as a quarterback and it is a turnover to the defense but uh that was just an unlucky play uh but jalen hurts you know he's controlling the game he plays well not only does he have the ability to make plays you know scramble out of the pocket make the defense work more than they should uh He's also a field general. He controls what happens on the field. So I think that's a big reason Jalen Hurts is playing really well this season. Uh, and he's, then, limiting, he's limiting his mistakes, and I think that's really benefiting you yeah, guys. And uh, they we control the ball when needed. I mean, going off of Jalen Hurts, they, like you saw at the end of the game, when they needed to kill the clock, they were getting those gritty They're yards and controlling some, the ball. Like old school smash mouth football. That, that was that. some that was some Miles Sanders at that was some Penn State, you know, Miles Sanders uh Big Ten football at the end of the game there. Just by a thousand paper cuts. That yeah, I mean Miles Sanders and Ezekiel Elliott, both out of the Big Ten. Uh so they for sure and Micah Parsons, throw him in there too. Uh so they, they all know what it's like I'm to just run that smash mouth uh run the ball football. So they had a really good they they control the ball well they they look really good like i said th- th- i don't think they're the best team in the nfl yet i think the bills have played higher competition and have played better against other teams like for example they just beat the chiefs uh who they beat the rams who were super bowl champions last season they beat the ravens so they've beaten like high yeah they beat, the, they beat the ravens when they were down 20 to nothing so yeah they, the bills definitely are a high quality team if the bills play i'm not trying to jump ahead of myself but if the bills play the eagles in the super bowl the country might burn down <laughs> yeah like two of like the most bills mafia even... and the eagles fans it's it's over I'm gonna use the word passionate. Yes, we're passionate. The two most, some of the most passionate fans in the NFL. You got jumping through tables and like tearing down light posts. It's, it's it would be a fun time for sure in the in the United States. Uh, well, well, define fun. <laughs> the, the passionate. Fun They're passionate. Um, but I like I said, big win here, six and zero, and. One of the big questions that they have, everyone has been talking about, what you were talking about, is do they win this if Dak is at quarterback? One, I don't know why that question is being asked. Dak wasn't at quarterback. It doesn't matter. Cooper rushed through three interceptions. Eagles win. Secondly, is it a closer game? Yes. Do the Cowboys win? No. I still don't think, I think the Eagles defense was flying. I think the fans at the link made it hard for the Cowboys to even fathom what was going on. Uh, Jason, I was listening to the Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey podcast, new Heights. And Jason Kelsey was saying, you know, when the defense is out on the field and it's third down and the entire place erupts and just starts like trying to make it hard for the opposing team to 
can like converse and figure out their play. And quarterback's sitting there like this, trying to hear his plays. Said so that's what gets him going because like that's that's the that's the bulk of the game right there. Those big third downs. So uh, they I'm definitely interested in that Christmas Eve game you guys are gonna yeah. play because I think like the Cowboys deck, like barring a big injury, I think the Cowboys offense is gonna be fully back. They're gonna have things figured out and. Like, up until that point, I think the only, like, true, true quarterbacks you guys can play are maybe Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers, but the teams, like, around them aren't really playing as well, and there's, like, something wrong with them. So, like, obviously, I think the Giants is going to be a difficult game, but they're, I think, built more like the current Cowboys. But I think um, Daniel Jones is a little – he protects the ball a little more than Cooper Rush does, obviously. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested to see how things play out later down the road. I think I think if Dak's in that game, it's a closer game. But I think because the Cowboys hadn't really played an away game to this point, they played they had four, three home games, and then they played in New York. But I'm sorry, Giants fans, I don't think you have that you know craziness to your team like the Eagles do. Um, that's a good thing. Yes. That is a uh, but, very good thing. Um, they, I mean, don't get me wrong. You play in any opposing stadium, it's going to be loud. But well, I, Except, well, no, 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 um, no. You're in right. FedEx, you're, when you play at FedEx, it's not going to be loud. Yeah, it's, it's, gonna be, it's either going to be a bunch of bitter fans or it's going to be your home fans who traveled with you because uh, FedEx is a uh, second home stadium. But that atmosphere you're talking about where everybody is loud, that used to be RFK. That was RFK. That was like in 1982, every single person was chanting, we want Dallas, and the whole stadium was shaking. That used to be us. Now we're the exact opposite of that spectrum. Yeah, but um, like I said, I don't think the Giants compare to the Eagles fan base. And they also played, they also played in L.A., and yeah. L.A. is the home of a pop culture team. And I think that the Cowboys – I think the Cowboys are a big, you know, pop culture team. Uh, they they get a lot of – because they're, quote, America's team, even though, you know, I'm not I'm not going to get into that. They're, they're America's team, so a lot, of, a lot of people just jump onto them. But I don't – this was just a new – this was a new test for them to play, if that makes sense. Like, you have to go into Philadelphia on Sunday night football, prime time. Eagles are 5-0. and They are flying. Like, it, it was a big test, and I, I think with even with Dak, it may have been a closer game, but I don't think they're winning that game either way. Yeah, in the end, we don't know, but I'll be interested. We'll, we'll find out on Christmas Eve, like you said. Getting into next week, I think we can just nip this in the bud right now. Eagles do not play. They're on a bye week, so... Washington at home against Green Bay. How we uh, how we feeling? I think Green Bay wins this. Correct. I did too, but correction, Washington away at Green Bay alternate. I think you can uh I think you can have more fans when Green Bay is, you know, hours upon hours away. It's a little different. Oh, that that's not going to stop them cuz Green Bay is another team that has a lot of a lot of fans. Um, but that's I think a big part of that is I know a couple fans and the reason they're fans is because they hold stock in the Packers, so, which I think is really cool. I, I do like that. So I think if, especially since you're a part owner of the team, you're going to root for the team. You're like, no, I want this team to win. Uh, yeah. Um, 
going into the game, um, I, I think we can make it interesting in terms of offensively because they don't the only scouting they have is from last year, but we have a completely different wide receiver. Not completely, but we've added to the wide receiver core. Brian Robinson, he proved last week he can kind of grind out those yards, kind of like what Miles Sanders did against the Cowboys at the end of the game. Very similar like drives we saw where they're just able to grind out. Um, like The reason we had to do that is because our offensive line wasn't up to par. The reason you had to do it is because the Cowboys have a better defense. But I don't think we're going to win because we're going to be able to pressure Aaron Rodgers, but he's mobile enough to where I think he's going to punish a lot of mistakes that happen in our secondary. Um, I think we'll get like three or four sacks. I think that's possible. But when it comes down to it, I don't think our coaching, especially well, the whole thing, I don't think is going to be able to really out-coach um, the Packers. So I think it could be a close game, but I just can't see us getting the win. Uh. I think there is an off chance that you guys could win this game. It's, uh, it's possible. It's within the realm of possibilities, but I think we'd have to, like, the Jets had, like, two special teams. Like, they blocked a punt for a touchdown and they blocked a field goal. Something like that would need to happen. Now, the reason I think you could get have the outside chance to win is Packer, you guys are have a favorable matchup like your defense against their offense their offense is struggling with receivers they have two rookie wide receivers who haven't figured it out yet in the nfl aaron Rodgers hasn't figured out the chemistry with them yet so as long as your secondary plays decent you could win and secondly they that means they run the ball a lot and like we've said your defensive line is playing really well right now so if they can shut down that run then you guys are winning that game. Now, with that being said, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers against a subpar team. He should have a field day. Uh, I yeah, so I think they should. Can, we saw last week that they didn't really run the ball. They ran it very few times. They like Aaron. Um, Aaron Jones got the ball like running it less than ten times. So, um. Our defensive line is playing good, but we saw we still struggle against the run because I think once they get past that initial line, our linebackers struggle. And um, I don't think the Packers' offensive line is nothing special, so that's going to be favorable for us. But when it comes down to it, I just can't see our secondary and linebackers picking the slack up enough to be able to really, like, shut them down enough because and we're still going to need to score um i do think heineke's going to cause problems your offensive line your offensive line has to play probably the best football they've played all season rashad rashad gary and kenny clark for the packers are absolutely ruthless that's going to cause problems with the running because it's obviously going to be difficult to run at the middle with those guys um so yeah, I think we're just like if Scott Turner actually adjusts, which he's probably not going to, we will probably we should see a lot more slants. Like last week, Terry McLaurin caught like the first slant of the year, and he got yards after catch. That's what we need to do. But Scott Turner doesn't. So I mean, if he was a smart man and like adjusted his play calling, then I think we could. I still think we'll cause problems, but. 
it's possible to win, but I just can't see us doing it. All right, so uh, real quick, another thing that I want to start trying to do every week. Um, now, you can give me either, whether it's for Green Bay to expose you guys or for you guys to expose Green Bay and pull off the upset. What is your key for the game for either one? Or give me one for both. Okay, one for both. Um, for, obviously, for the Packers, it's Aaron Rodgers because he's going to need to play um, not a perfect game, but like looking at what happened last week, he's he needs to understand he's going to be rushed a lot. He's going to need to be able to not really hesitate on his throws. They need to be perfect and precise, which I think he can do. Um Going on into our key of the game, it's the offensive line because if we're able to establish the run game and we're able to, like, get a lot of those, um, like, West Coast passes where it's like you gain three or four, every, like, three or four yards every play, um, then we'll be able to get down the field. A quick thing on, like, the West Coast offense, what um, I believe um, Bill Walsh said this, but Joe Montana was saying it, um, what do they say about a four-yard run, a four- or five-yard run? You can't do that. What do they say about a four- or five-yard pass? Great, we stopped them. And then if you keep adding those like little yardage games up in terms of passing, eventually you're going to find yourself down the field, and the defense is going to be dead tired. And they're like, how this happens? That's so Tom that, Brady. He's made a career out of it. Yeah, that's Tom Brady. That's the... Bill Walsh just to do a T. That's how Joe Montana succeeded. So that's what we're going to need to do. So I think the key to that is the offensive line. All right. I'll give you one for each of my, for Green Bay and Washington, too. For Green Bay, in order to win, uh, you know, I hate to be cliche, but I do have to. I'm going to agree with you there. It's got to be Aaron Rodgers connecting with his rookie receivers. Um, I believe, did Randall Cobb go down last week? I thought he did. I think so. Uh, especially with Randall Cobb going down. Uh, actually, I will I'll double check on that, or if you want to while I continue. Uh, I believe Randall Cobb went down with an injury, so you know, connecting with his rookie receivers, exposing that secondary. He, is, he, he, he got an ankle injury. He's out multiple weeks. All right, yeah, so he Aaron Rodgers has got to connect with his team and uh, you know spend as little time in the pocket as possible, not like running out of the pocket, but getting the ball out quick. So I do think Aaron Rodgers needs to connect there for his for the for them to win, and if Washington wants to win again, I don't want to follow exactly what you're saying, but going off of the way that your defensive line is playing, which I think is a part of it, uh, they shut down that run, make them pass the ball as quickly as possible. Going to the offense, I think the offense is the biggest part of the game. You need Taylor Heineke to get rid of the ball quick. You know, don't spend time in the pocket because. If he does, he's going to be getting sacked a lot. Your offensive line is struggling. So I'm not going to agree with you entirely saying the offensive line is the key of the game. I'm more going to favor the timing of the passes and say that's the key. It's Taylor Heineke, you know, snap, catch, boom, snap, catch, boom. You know, as soon as he gets that ball from the center, you need to be getting rid of it. So, uh, you know, it's those one to two second out of, out of the hand. He cannot be holding onto the ball in the pocket. That's how Washington wins the game. Uh, did you want, oh, you want to go over the Jim Irsay thing real quick, which I heard bits and pieces of it. I didn't connect it all yet. So, um, this is news to me again. Yeah. So Jim Irsay recently came out against Dan Schneider and this is the first owner who's publicly kind of like 
slandered him or kind of made light of the situation also on Thursday night. Who's the commentator? Chris Collinsworth? No, Thursday night. Um, I, I like I said, I didn't, I didn't watch much of the game on Thursday. Night. Man, it's one of the, it's one of the main guys. Um, he Al, said Al, oh, Al Michaels. Al. That's the guy. But he came out like on Thursday night and said that um, they should just vote him out when they show Dan Schneider in the box, and that's big because I think this is one of the first times we've actually heard about it on national television, um, like on a primetime game where. Pretty much like the whole... All of America like, who watches football is watching. Yeah. And Jim Ursa recently said that he believes there's merit to remove Dan Schneider as the commander's owner, and that's big considering he's the first owner who has publicly announced that he's against him. So I think that's big. I think they probably talked about it in the owner's meeting that happened last week. So I think it's a great start. Um, I won't like believe it till it happens. Um, I know this is like wishing bad things on a guy, but I generally do not like the person, and I don't think I I don't know a person who does, or at least a Washington fan. I think he's one of the most universally disliked, probably people in the NFL. I like the only person people I who I can think of like get more is Jerry Jones and Roger Goodell. So yeah, it's bit and I think that's big development in the league because I think this is a can of worms that we're starting to open. So I think there could be greater fallout, like especially for other owners. This is this is turning into a interesting situation. And this like for for an outside, I mean, I guess like you said, it could affect league wide. Because say Dan Snyder is right and he does have that dirt on everybody. Yeah. If, if they for, first off, if they forcefully remove him from his ownership position, that's going to be interesting. Because one, then who wants to buy the team? Uh, do like that's going to be interesting to see. Secondly, if they be like a group of people, if they forcefully remove him, you know, what's he going to release? So this is this is becoming a really interesting uh, thing, you know, as fans to see what's going on and uh, just seeing the the kind of downfall that Dan Snyder's trying to bring upon the NFL. Yeah, and it's like 10 years ago, we were saying the same thing, but it was more like localized because we all hated him. Like all Washington fans hated him. But since like the toxic workplace stuff came out, the sexual assault allegations, I think people are starting to realize that this guy is not a great, great guy. And I think, he's, yeah, I think he's starting to get more like attention league wide, which I think is big. He's getting attention nationally. He's getting attention from the literal government of the United States. So yeah, I think this could have big implications, whether he's bluffing like about that whole, I have dirt on everybody thing, or he actually does. I think there could be major fallout. Um, but like going on into the owners, like if a big guy like Jeff Bezos came and bought it, and um, I also think Peyton Manning could be involved in like an ownership group is something I heard. So I think that would be good. I just want somebody who like they either have to be like a known football guy, but will still like hire a proper GM and stuff like that, and kind of stick more towards the um like advertisement side of it. I think that will be significantly better and. Big changes, I think, will come. Um, 
if we do get a new owner, I can see the name changing again because I, I think it's kind of universally disliked Dislike. still. Yeah. yeah, so I think that could change and maybe we are able to get back in D.C. Uh, is that all you have for the NFL, though? That's all I got for the that's, NFL. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Um, Like I said, part one of three of great time to be a Philly fan. Uh, Going over to the NHL. I've noticed Caps have been off to a bit of a struggling start. What's what's your record so far? Um, we're two and two. We're we're currently playing right now. We're two and up, we're up two zero against the Senators. But the first two games, we were struggling in terms of the defense of the neutral zone and our power play going into the defensive zone. That's still more of a problem. But I've said this about last year: our defense isn't up to it. Carlson, he's still like a point getting defenseman, but he's not that fast guy anymore. He's not really hustled on a lot of plays that have led to goals in the neutral zone sometimes we can be like try and do too much like dump and chase or we're not able to get into the offensive zone the power play in the first two games it was we were trying to force it to Ovi more and we get into this idea of oh let's always force it and we weren't making the right hockey pass but when we moved Strom down to behind the goal that significantly improved that we have two power play goals tonight um that's improved. We've started to make the correct hockey pass. And that's the best, like that's been the best thing about our um, power play is if you just do the standard power play, like passes, the right ones, like if they don't worry about OVD, he's going to get a one timer. But if they do, it's going to open up other um, John Carlson, Nicholas Backstrom. Yeah. He's an Anthony Mantha. He, he had a power play goal. We have a lot of like power forwards. We have a lot of guys who can score. So that's improving. But our goal tending has actually been pretty decent. Like the Canucks game, it was four to six. We came back, but like Lynn Green had a great game against Leafs. Like, the three goals weren't his fault. The five goals against Kemper in the opening night loss to the Bruins, that was more defensive. Our goalies are actually playing pretty good. And if we're able to just like shore up a little bit defensively, I think our offense will be able to pull us through because our power play is actually starting to play really well. And our offense, I think, I think we're starting to find that Strom on the first line is really good, even though he's on the second because Kuznetsov is suspended for this game because he, um, he hit a pretty nasty high stakes in the Canucks game, but that Canucks game I think is a big could be a big turning point for us. It's a great comeback win. We scored six goals, so I'm not too – like the only thing I would say I'm actually like pretty worried about is the defense, but other than that, I think we're starting to find it. Uh, going over to the Flyers – I got to say, even I'm surprised by the Flyers' start. The Flyers start off pretty hot with a 3-1 start, uh, and they just took their first loss yesterday against the Panthers. But starting at the beginning... That was beginning, a cool game, though. Yeah, and I mean, they came... In every single one of their games, they have come back. And I think a big reason... So, game one, they played the Devils. They win 5-2. to two. Carter Hart stands on his head, and I think the the first goal that he gave up... I think he wants that back. And I think that's a big piece in every one of these games. Every one of the first three games, I think there is a goal that he would want back. Uh, In the first game, I think it's that first goal. He's sitting there on on the post, and I just don't think he was tight enough against the post. And one of their rookies took a really sharp angle shot, and it just got through his armpit, and they scored. But 
uh, Flyers fight back and they end up winning that game five to two. And Travis Konechny, I, I was out here wearing his jersey, you know. Uh, he he scores two goals. He's off to a great start. He has five points in the first four games. Uh, they go in the next day and they play the Canucks at home. And again, Carter Hart, an absolute brick wall after the first period. The first period, they outplayed the Canucks in by an insane margin. But the Canucks came out with a 2-0 lead in the first period. And there was another there was another shot in that game. I think it was just one where there was traffic in front and he didn't see it all the way through. But as yeah. a goalie, you want that to you don't want that to get through. You need, you need the eye line because yeah. once that's taken away, you're in a lead in some. And I think uh, I think that's one that he wants back. But again, they were down two nothing. They come back, win three two, and even in they outplayed the Canucks in the first period. But the Canucks outplayed them in the second and the third period, and they fought back and won the game even though they were getting outplayed. They uh they. We're going. You had a Rangers. You had a Rangers win. A Rangers win. Where your goalie's playing amazing. But oh yeah. You're, you're outplayed. And like I mean, there was throughout. there was a big. So in the second period, I want to say it was right. And what made it even better was it was right after the Phillies clinched the NLCS appearance. They uh, they, they had both games on, so they had the screen split in the Wells Fargo center so that the Flyers fans could also watch the Phillies game going on. And it was right after Sir Anthony Dominguez clinched that final out. Uh, T they're on the, they're on the penalty kill. And there was a play where Travis Konechny gets the puck in the defensive zone and he looks straight up and Scott Lawton is breaking and he's looking to go. He's looking to go right down the middle. Now, when you're looking to pass, make a pass for a breakaway, you're gen you're generally looking right down the middle of the ice. The thing that made it a huge play though is he looks, he sees the Canucks defensemen start to converge where it would have been picked off, and instead he goes off the boards and puts it right onto Scott Lawton's stick so he can just skate into it. Scott Lawton goes in, finishes bar down on tra uh Thatcher Demko to make it two one. Now, if that goes to a three nothing game, I don't know if that's the same game, but they come back. They beat the Canucks three to two. Uh, so TK again has a strong game in that one. They lose. They beat Tampa. You know another team three times going to the Cup straight. Who who they should have lost to most. This likely. is another Rangers win because um, Carter Hart had thirty six saves, but Vasilevsky only had twenty one. So you yeah, obviously they, have the high Tampa, quality chances. Tampa gave them their best game. Uh, Stammer had two goals, one on the power play, and. I don't know if this is one. Th this is one that I look at, and if I were in Carter Hart's shoes after giving up this goal, I would want this goal back. So, uh, Stammer takes a one timer, and it gets by Carter Hart, but it kind of looked like Carter Hart's pad got stuck on the ice, and it wasn't sliding. And instead of like sliding over nicely, he kind of like gets stuck and just starts to fall. Like. It looks like if you were to just push a puppy over and they just kind of and just fall over. Like it was very slow and looked pain, not painful, but it looked rough to watch. So if I were a goalie, I would just be like, I'd be mad at my pad for getting stuck under me. And I would want that back. But again, they were down to nothing. They still, again, getting outplayed by Tampa, but, uh, they come back being down 2-0. they outplay him in the third. And, uh, John Cooper was, complaining and saying that the team got complacent and after the 2-0 deficit and the Flyers came back and won that. Now, 
with this, I'll finish it off real quick. They lose to the Panthers four to two, four to two. Again, down by two nothing. When a team scores first in the NHL, they are seventy percent more likely to win that game uh, than if they were to not score the first goal. The Flyers have outdone that in all these games. They have come out and taken taken away those two nothing, one nothing deficits. Played hard to come back. Uh, I think in this loss against the Panthers, I think after they come back, I think they had just been fighting back so hard in all these games. They just finally ran out of air. Felix Sandstrom yeah. played a great game. Uh, Travis Konechny, another guy who played a great game. He got a... And actually, I'm sorry, it was a 4-3 loss. Because at the end of the game, there was a play. I think it was on... It wasn't the power play, but it was at the end of the game. They, were, they had a 6-5. They pulled the goalie. They go from the blue line to Kevin Hayes, and he passes it cross ice right onto TK stick, and he shoots it wide open net. Uh, but he's he stayed hot. He stayed hot, and they got outplayed for the most part in this game. They but they came back, made it a two two game, and ended up just not being able to finish out the game and lose four three. Now, just taking all those games and looking into them in one big clump. First off, it's four games. It's not a big. Uh, it's not a big sample size. You can't take how they're going to play throughout the season just off those four games. But up and up through those four games, first off, they're playing better 5v5. Five, five the players look like they have something to play for. Like they are playing to prove everyone wrong. Uh, John Tortorella has implemented a system that you can see where he wants them to play hard. And they are playing hard. You know, they're, get, they're more gritty. They're making more hits. They're uh, just really taking it to the other team physically, which takes a toll on a team throughout a game. So they're just playing more physical and really putting in a John Tortorella system. Another thing is the young guys are playing hard. Again, they look like they're playing for something. Hart looks great. He had no preseason, but he still is putting on great shows. I think he has one bad goal in every single one of those games that he plays, but he's still playing great. D'Angelo is starting off with a point in all four of these games. The power play has a goal in all four of these games. Ivan Provorov and D'Angelo look like they're starting to mesh well. I think there's still a little bit to... I still think there's a little bit of chemistry to be made between the two because they haven't played that long together. But for only playing their five games together, they look pretty good. Overall, I think this it looks like it should be a decent team. Again, four games. I'm not diving too far into it there's a lot of hockey to be played but if they were to play like they are right now through the entire season they're gonna be a cinderella team and they're gonna play well throughout the season and it's gonna be a really exciting team to watch i think as of right now it still is because it's a lot of young guys noah kate's got that game-winning goal against tampa makes an amazing individual effort and strips the puck from the lightning defenseman and just kind of turns around and whips it at the net. And I don't think Vassy was ready for it. Gets by him, uh, goes off the post and in. So it just looks like they're all playing for something. Like they're all in the cup every single day. And it's just a really fun team to watch right now. So I'm, I'm getting a little excited. See, but. I'm just interested to see if they'll like have the consistency to do this over the yes, whole season. That is a big problem. It's hard for me to say that I think they will. I still think it's early, and this just could be a hot start, but it could just, like, burn out. But, yeah, I think it's shown that there's some potential there. They were saying yesterday on the broadcast that 
You know, TK, he got off to a hot start last season, and he kind of he kind of fizzled out. He has four goals through four games right now. Now, is that a goal-per-game pace able to keep up even for Alexander Ovechkin? No. So he's not going to keep up that goal per game. It's still early, but he kind of fizzled out. It's And like I said, in this t this Florida game, I think after that comeback, they just ran out of air. They got they got tired. They've been playing all these games from behind. And when you're playing from behind, you're playing a lot harder than when you're playing with the lead. So I think, it, like you said, it's going to be a hard pace to keep up. And if they do, yeah. props to them. Like I said, they're going to be a Cinderella team. But they look like they have potential and it's going to be a really fun season to watch. And I am, I'm already having fun watching the team, uh, especially with the Eagles doing what they're doing. And, uh, go, do you have anything else for the NHL? Um, I do not. Yeah. So just going off of that, the Flyers are doing what they're doing. Eagles are doing what they're doing and Philly's going to the NLCS. But before we get into that, I do want to tell you guys about Bomberger real quick. Two guys that we went to school with from elementary school, so we've known them for years upon years at this point. Two guys, they just opened a food truck over the summer called Bomb Burger. It is a smash burger type food truck based out of Loudoun County. They're based out of Lovettsville. They have great burgers. Uh, they do a lot of specials on the weekends. I had them personally. I really do enjoy them. Uh, I used to work with one of the guys and he would bring in the burgers occasionally and make the food for us. So they do have really good food, really good ingredients. They're doing it the right way, getting the best ingredients they can to make it the best food they can. They go to different places all over the place. They post all their stuff on Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to check them out, like I said, they're a food truck, so they're going to different places all the time. They are expanding more, you know, getting more out to Leesburg, out to Ashburn getting out there more in Loudoun. So if you guys want to check them out, do go check them out on Instagram and Facebook at Bomberger Food Truck, and they will post their stuff on there. But definitely go look at them and try to look into getting one of their burgers. Uh, but going Please. off of that, like I said, at the beginning of the episode, I'll end it with the episode and I'll say it right now. Great time to be a Philadelphia fan. Uh, the Phillies surprise the world and beat the Braves 3-1 in the NLDS. Yeah. I, I think, I got to say, I think a big piece of it is, one, the offense got hot, but the number one reason that I think the Phillies beat the Braves in that series is Philadelphia was going absolutely crazy. Uh, I mean, you have 46,000 fans all there. You hear it every time the count has two strikes for in the Phillies' favor. The place is going crazy. You can feel it through the TV. I mean, there is just an energy to the game that I don't think the Braves were ready for. And I think that goes into this series too, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But the bats were getting hot uh, and... The bullpen, I think, was another big piece. They were shutting down the games. They, even in those games where, I want to say the offense played a big part for the most of the games. The bullpen played a big part in the Padres game one, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I just don't think the Braves were ready to go into Philadelphia and ready for that fan craze that there was. I don't think don't, Atlanta was. They weren't crazy. ready for. They didn't look like they were ready to play games three and four. They got punched in the mouth relatively early, and they just, like, Kind of laid down. Yeah. 
so they definitely surprised there. One beat the Braves in four games, and they move on to the NLCS against. Where you guys I would say had a, all odds like a one hitter in the first game against the Padres, where Kyle yeah. Schwarber hit the ball 480 a, a single, feet. A single hit, they win two nothing, dude. The the clip. The clip of Bryce Harper after Kyle Schwarber hit that home run, where Bryce yeah, Harper is just standing there, just it is like, the funniest Schwarber thing in the world. And Harper are the only ones that had hits for the Phillies, and each of them had a home run. But game that, one was a pitching duel. That game one was a pitching. I'm yeah. It was a clinic, is the word I was looking for. Zach Wheeler Wheeler went seven with one hit on one walk, eight strikeouts, and then your bullpen came in and shut shut it down, them but, down. You Darvish, yeah, he but, had nine strikeouts, yeah, I believe. He only had two hits. Had Aside seven, from those two he home had a runs, decent game. He he had se- wait seven hits or seven strikeouts. strikeouts. Oh, I thought he had. I thought he had one. I knew it was either plus or minus one from Wheelers. I just didn't remember which one. Uh, but I mean, you Darvish also played an amazing game. You got to give both pitchers credit. It was just the Phillies had that little spark that got them past there. Game two, you saw it affect them. You can't win games with solo home runs. Yes, you can win one and two, one game here, one game there with solo home runs like they did in game one, but you can't win a series just off of solo home runs. You need situational hitting, and I think that could be the downfall of this team is when like you don't have a Zach Wheeler one hitter through seven. I think that could be your issue because you have like you have a bunch of like guys who can hit like for power throughout the lineup, but I think you're missing like the on base guys, your situational hitting. And that's what the Padres had in this game. In my opinion, um, Josh Bell, he hit it. I still, I still love Josh Bell, but he went four for three. And this is like, he had a very great game. After three for four. How do you go four for three? Yeah, three for four with a two run homer. I believe it was, but it was one. He had, he had a solo. Cause him in, Brendan Drury went back-to-back. They don't hit back-to-back. Oh, yes, they did. Okay, for some reason they put Will Myers in between them. but he Because Will hit, Myers but... came in for Brendan Drury later in the game. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just think they had better situational hitting, and I think that could prove to be the um, upside of them. But, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I think... I think the Phillies win in six, and I'll give I'll give you the exact reason why. It was, I said from before the series even started. First off, I have more faith in the Phillies being able to beat the Padres than I had in them being able to beat the Braves. First off, they're on their own riding high, you know, with the whole nobody likes us mentality like the Eagles had, and that they're on their own. Uh, secondly, but what happened the previous 10 years when they still had that mentality, though? Secondly... They, they, I think that Philadelphia is in such a craze right now that as long as they went into Philly, which they are going 1-1, tied in the series 1-1, that the Phillies will win the series. Because I think the Phillies win two of those three games in Philadelphia at least. I think they could sweep them in Philadelphia. I don't think there is a, I feel like the Phillies fans have been I don't want to say, I do want to say starved a bit more than the Padres fans. Like I said, it's been 11 years. No, no, Tristan. The, no, 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 no. Do not say that. First the off, Padres hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. 
I there's a reasoning to it. I'm not saying the Padres fans, you know, had a heavenly had a heavenly start. This is it's been 24 years since the Padres made it to the NLCS. It's been 12 since the Phillies made it. It's two very long awaited spots for the Padres and the Phillies. But the Padres have had a couple years longer of hope. I mean, with Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, they were they, they had a they had good they had good come up from their their triple A system. They had a good they, they had good farm systems. But they weren't able to make it past like the wild card and I think like it's possible that you do do this in Philly. I do like do what you you said they will in Philly, but the problem is, is you're hitting. You're going to need to get more hits. You're not going to see. I also, like, disagree. I not, also... A lot, not a lot of game ones are going to happen. Um, like you got more, and um, you got more, like eight hits in game two. But again, like it, I think a lot it of comes runners down on base. Yeah, you need runners on base. You need situational hitting, and I think that could prove a problem. I think they could win. I think they will win two games in Philly. Now, can but... I? I I would have to disagree with you in the fact that you say they don't have situational hitting. W- Reese Hoskins, one of the well, best. Well, I'm just well, they saying. Have it, but I don't think it's as good as the the Padres is what I should have said. I feel Bryson Stott is one who works well all across the field. Gene Segura is one of the best contact hitters in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Reese Hoskins, one of the top hitters in doubles every season it, it's definitely gonna be you know who has the hottest bat because they as we've seen in both of these games it's just one team gets the offense and then the other team gets the offense uh it's definitely i think the biggest difference maker will be from the padres bullpen the padres bullpen has been absolutely lights out in the playoffs so Josh Hader has stepped it up from like the ending of the regular season where he's looking awful. That I think could definitely prove. You know who for you know who broke him in the regular season, the Phillies. They need to do that again. After after he he played the Phillies and he blew a save, and then after that he kind of fell off. And I think that's why the Brewers traded him. And then he come he well, came back think, out and like, he look, fixed it. Yeah, okay. he's now he's now touching three-digit speeds with his pitching and on his fastball and his slider. So, I mean, he pitches well, but the bullpen is just absolutely insane. I mean, you saw in game one, they shut down the Phillies' offense after those two home runs. Then in game two, first off, after Blake Snell gave up those four runs and you thought he was done, he came back out, pitched a great remaining two no it was three innings because he pitched five six and seven pitched a better a great remaining no it was just two innings and then after that he went out and the bullpen came in and just absolutely shut down the phillies offense they the only guy who gave up a run from their bullpen is your guy ranger suarez no the padres what Robert Suarez, not Ranger. Robert I was gonna say, is, I'm so confused. Not Ranger. Why, uh, why did I say Robert? And Robert he, he gave, yeah, he gave up a home run to Reese Hoskins. So, yeah. it, I, like I said, you can't be hitting only solo home runs, but it is gonna be an interesting series. I think it'll be Phillies in six, just because I think the, the home atmosphere of, 
will play a big factor. And I feel like the home atmosphere in Philadelphia is stronger than it is in San Diego. And I think that's the biggest difference maker. And I'm trying to say that in, in as an unbiased opinion as possible. And I know it doesn't sound it, but I do think that the Phillies atmosphere is bigger. But they than don't, me. they don't have the playoff experience. The Padres do Manny Machado. He's been, he's lost the world series, but he's been deep in playoffs before. Juan Soto has been deep in the playoffs before he won a world series. You garbage Blake, Blake's now, I just think like, yes, they may have the home field advantage, but, or in terms of the atmospheric advantage, but I think the Padres have the, they have like, a lot more experienced guys like a lot of the guys on your team really haven't made any deep playoff runs the deep like you had obviously bryce harper losing in the second round of the playoffs with the nats consistently every year but i think that could also play a factor as well as Kyle Schwarber's been Nicastianis he's, he's been there times. but Nicastianis has gone a couple times like looking at it in total i think the padres possibly have a little more experience there uh, it will be an interesting series to say. Yeah, the I, I think it's going to be a seven game series. I'm not going to be surprised if like with either team winning, but I think both teams are going to get smoked by the Astros. Wow. Uh, so the Astros are, I hate the Astros, but they're good. I are, just can't see the NL beating them. Is that all you have for the MLB or well for the episode? I mean, I think that's really it. That's all I got. Um, I want to like the Yankees, we beat the Guardians, but we're gonna get smoked by the Astros. Yeah, it's Astros gonna be are like a good team. Uh, yeah. But to finish it off, there, all of our stuff over on this side of the screen. Uh, nope. <laughs> no matter what you do, it's wrong. But over on this side of the screen, Instagram and TikTok, both BL in the DC. If you want to check those out, uh, you can email us questions and comments at BL in the DC at gmail.com. Can rate us and review us on Spotify and Apple, and it, check out our YouTube. Uh, we do weekly NFL predictions and do the games. We're keeping a little bit of a competition here. Jacob making a rise in this past week, so if you want to check that one out, go look at that video. And we are going to do the new retro reverse retro NHL jerseys just released. So we're going to do a video going over those. And like I said, I will close it out. Like I said, I started it, said it just now. And I'm going to close it out here with, it's a great time to be a Philly sports fan. See you later. We will see you guys next week.